Hello, my friends. Today, Joel is talking to Kip, the chief technology evangelist at Skyhook, and they discuss the technical challenges of combining different types of location technology to achieve accurate location solutions in any use case. How critical location technology can be in emergency situations, and what individual contributors should expect when they step into management for the first time. All of this right here, right now, on the Modern CTO Podcast. Here we go. This is the Modern CTO Podcast. Mine was uh, really started in, in, at least in computers, uh, was when I was in, I think it was seventh grade, um, tiny little high school in Nebraska. And um, for some reason, we had computers. And uh, when I say tiny, it was a class of 14. So, um, so uh, yeah, I got started on an Apple uh, earlier on a TRS-80 or Trash-80 uh, and um, started really digging in. I was a little scrawny guy. And um, so I was, I was the geek in the, that club, right? So uh, <laughs> there's only one of me. Um, so yeah, I spent a lot of time on that, um, you know, as either that or go feed the cow- cattle or whatever. So um, yeah, I went from there um, through high school, um, working on Apple, Apple II, Apple II Plus, Apple IIe, um, went through that litany. Similar to you, only later, I, I wrote a software package for um, for seed distribution, management, accounting, invoicing, inventory, a full, full suite package. Um, and so that was my first commercial software endeavor. Um, from there, went to college in Nebraska. So again, I'm hanging out in Nebraska, um, did, did a BS in, in computer science at the University of Nebraska at Kearney, um, learned a lot. Uh, it was more practical education, um, you know, applied more than uh, theoretical. So I took that and levered that into a job for a couple of years and uh, decided that working in big companies was not my gig. And um, so I was in a large financial insurance company and it felt like you're just, you know, just a cog. Uh, and I didn't really like that. So I um, endeavored to continue my education, um, went to Georgia Tech, did my master's in computer science. At this time, it was 90, 1993 when I got, when I arrived in Atlanta, you know, really just dove into the computer science, um, the full meal deal. And I uh, learned a boatload from that. Um, also got, you know, connected with a bunch of really smart people, which was, which was cool. One of which I, I ended up writing and, and, um, and speaking about a couple um, papers we wrote. So my first World Wide Web was the third international World Wide Web uh, in Darmstadt, Germany. Um, so back in 94 was when that one happened. So early in on the web scene and really um, excited about what was happening with that. Um, did a lot of work on the NCSA server, web server, met with the team up there. Uh, so that was that was pretty fun at that time. I mean, it was, you know, pretty heady times rolling into and continuing up through the later 90s. And uh, so that was fun. I joined a company. We IPO'd. Uh, well, it was a little startup company of another company, kind of an intrapre- entrepreneurial kind of startup. 
And about eight months after I joined, um, we were on the roadshow doing an IPO about the same time as Netscape back then. So got a flavor for that and um, continued, um, started my own company, sold that and joined another company, left there, uh, was founding a uh, member on another company. Uh, a lot of these were, well, some B2B type of companies and doing a lot of uh, smaller business, trying to get them on technology, spun up, especially for the internet for the internet and getting online commerce and getting all that stuff going, which was really early back then. But we were we were spinning that up. And then video distribution over satellite, which um, so IP-based video distribution at that point. Um, so some pretty interesting technical challenges with that one. Um, yeah, and then the the same guy started that that first startup with um, that uh, that IPO Harbinger Net Services. The, um, the the guy who started as the product manager um, and I started as the lead engineer. He ended up starting Skyhook, um, and uh, so I he called me up and said, "Hey, do you work for free?" Uh, <laughs> and I said, "I said sure, why not." And uh, so uh, I started working for him remotely. At that time, I was uh, working on my PhD as well. So it was uh, it was pretty interesting times because um, Wi-Fi and mobile devices were not really um, put together at that juncture, right? So, so that was the that was sort of um, again getting into yet another startup, and um, it, this was pre round a um so this was really angel funding at that point eventually we we got it spun up so i did a lot of that early engineering and um development to get that stood up and we um we eventually then got contacted by apple by steve jobs in particular um have a really cool voicemail uh from from him in which uh he he left a voicemail and we had um the you know that it would automatically just cut the audio and send it out and um my my boss uh, ted morgan he he said um you know sent out a note said all right who's who's pulling my leg right uh, this is not steve jobs this is this is somebody's doing something but so he deleted it initially and luckily wasn't deleted deleted uh so he pulled it back and got the number off of it called up and sure enough connected with steve jobs and um from there we, we ended up getting a deal done with them which eventually became a um, executive MBA required course um, to learn about how how um, that deal was negotiated and everything. So that's pretty cool. So, yeah, yeah. So Skyhook, uh, we've had a we've had an interesting life cycle. Set, set several you know phases of a of a business as they usually go, um, but it's been um, it's been quite the ride. Where does your like if you look back, you mentioned all the startups and you know early companies. Well, mm -hmm. it takes a lot of resilience to get through that. It takes a lot of grit. You have to go through incredibly. We all say it so proudly, right? Like it's right. like this happy yeah. thing, because we and mainly because I think we overcame the obstacles, and that's why we're mm -hmm. we're happy. But going through it is like not fun. It's it's super <laughs> super difficult. Where do you like looking back on your life? Did you think you got your your grit from like your parents or some? experiences you had where did you get that yeah i think definitely the par parent side um you know they went through a lot of a lot of trials and tribulations uh you know grew up with not a lot of money and um so always had to make do you know well but but 
somehow came up with the things that I needed. You know, I think I'm playing around with the, you know, 101 electronic projects things and being able to dig into phones and take them apart and play with them. And um, so, you know, I had enough technology around that I start, started playing with it. And I saw my, you know, my family was able to continue to make things happen, you know, and you're like, all right. So you just kind of go do it. <laughs> so, but yeah, that was, that was a lot of it really is, is just seeing how, how they reacted to adversity and say, just, you know, that's some of it's good, some of it's bad, um, but you can always learn from it. Yeah, exactly. And now I'm curious, you kind of talked a little bit about it, but what is Skyhook's main line of business today? Sure. So it's um, it's always been um, positioning. So um, it's it's uh, ability to find a device um, or have a device find itself. Actually, uh, more more appropriately. So it's um, it's really you know GPS is is well known and and fairly understood at least from the um, the basics of it. But uh, it doesn't solve all positioning problems. Uh, so there's signal issues. You go inside drops issues because it's a line of sight technology and you know so devices that a either don't have gps or b don't want to use the power that is required for gps or c you just want to also be able to position indoors and and when you're you know in some occluded location um, we provide wi-fi based positioning cell based positioning uh, IP-based positioning and complete set of hybrid positioning technologies that allow those signals to be combined and, and processed to find you um, pretty much wherever you are. Um, you know, there's still challenges, uh, which is why I like this. Uh, it's, it's a continuing process and you're never done because there's always, oh, wait, we need it more accurate. No, we need it more accurate. Oh, we need it to do this. We need it to operate in a mine. We need it to, you know, so, so that the challenges that keep coming at you are are um, are really interesting and keep you engaged in, oh, how do we solve that one, right? So here's my question for you. All right. When I get off the, the plane in New York, right? It's like pre-pandemic, right? I get off the plane in New York <laughs> and uh, I don't go to New York now, post-pandemic. Uh, get off the plane, go try to get my Lyft or my Uber. Right. And it's bouncing my blue dot like around right. everywhere. And I'm like, what's going on here? And uh, it, it just like so frustrating. And I'm sitting here like looking at all of the fact that I can press a button and get a car to come to me, but we can't figure out this like out how to... which which exit of the building to take and like which yeah. air, which where I'm pointed. And so I was curious, like, is the technology there to solve it and it just like hasn't been implemented? Is it like fragmented and hasn't been put together? Because I do understand the concept of how GPS works. Right. Um, and I was just curious, like my first thought, I'll share with you my first thought. First thought is like, <laughs> if, it, if it loses line of sight, why couldn't it just like use the accelerometer to help like bridge the gap until it got a clean line of sight again? And right. then my other thought was like, you know, I was reading about some of the ways they're using Wi-Fi for location. So I was like, what if there's Wi-Fi signals around here? Could they use those? So why hasn't it been solved yet or has it been solved? So, uh, I mean, it's still a, still a challenge. The problem, the, there are several problems. A, um, with the accelerometer and dead reckoning in general, you need a position to start from, right? So, so until you get a fix on where you are, uh, the accelerometer can't really help you, right? So you need a solid fix before that. 
and then you can use that to do the dead reckoning um, and then deal with drift and things like that. But with Wi-Fi, absolutely improves it, um, especially in places like New York, where you are getting a lot of that urban canyon sort of occlusion and that um, you know the signal bouncing all around and timing going off. So that is certainly one piece that helps fix that. But again, it's not a you know it's it's not with the signal strength with Wi-Fi, you still get a lot of error, right? You can still get an error. It's better really than GPS in in the um, overall for uh, for those places where it's occluded for GPS. But um, you have to kind of have a combination of those signals, and you have to know how to fuse them appropriately. Um, and I think that's where we're we've got that technology out there. It's just not complete there, right? So you're not getting that completed. Uh, and some places have better Wi-Fi signal than others, uh, and you kind of have to know the the properties of each of those signals in order to know which one to use and how to combine them and how to use that to stop the, especially to stop the bouncing um, and uh, to get you to the right location in, in that early signal base. Yeah. If you were to guess how this problem from like a business perspective, like how would the solution actually roll out? Do you think it would be like a device the airports could buy and, and put in there? Or, or do you think it would be just software on the phone, just connecting the things? How, how would it look? Yeah, I mean, you can do a lot with the software on the phones. Um, so there's there's also some more, you know, there's there's continued improvement on GPS um, and GNSS in general. Use multi constellations so that you can find a satellite that isn't as occluded based on where you are. There's a lot of information now out there about where signals are occluded. Um, so now you can kind of get figure out that you are in one of those zones and weight other things heavily more heavily on a different signal. So there's there's things coming along that will continue to improve this, and it's software, it's the sensor fusion, it's the accelerometers, um, and all of those um, uh, capabilities on device. But in order to use Wi-Fi or cell positioning, you've got to know where those beacons are. So that's the other half of the equation that we have to deal with as well. And I think the other technology uh, it, that's for Wi-Fi that's coming is um, the the signal round trip time. So now you get away from, you know, if a if a if a person walks between you and it, right? Water, water is a really good um, dampener for Wi-Fi signal, right? So us being ugly bags of mostly water, um, you know, if you, you'll get a different signal strength if you're facing towards it or you're between it, right? So th those things seem to change how where you are, right? When it really is just you turning around. Did you just so call us ugly bags of water? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dude, that's hilarious. That's Mostly funny. water. I couldn't yeah. let that go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know where I heard that, but yeah, that's uh, yeah, that's how I that's how I think of us. But uh <laughs> so anyway, but yeah, so that's that once you have the signal actual um signal round trip time, you have a much more accurate knowledge of where you are. Uh, so that's that's a technology I think that we're in particular uh, excited about uh, as it rolls out. And we're seeing that technology, it's not really being advertised um, because it's, you know, you kind of have to build up, again, it's a chicken and egg thing. You have to build up enough devices that can use it, enough 
uh, infrastructure out there that has it for you to be able to make a make this a pitch to anybody in general, right? But that technology really does advance things. And it, it appears to us on our testing that the, the mesh networks that are out there, the mesh Wi-Fi routers, almost all of those we've seen actually support this, even if they don't announce it. That's pretty neat. I'm curious with all these satellites going up, right? You got the SpaceX uh, satellites going up. We're putting so many things up into space right yeah. now. Blue Origin. I don't know if it's them or Am- whoever. Somebody, something Jeff Bezos is attached to is putting satellites <laughs> up to to yeah. then compete. Is that affecting your business at all? Does it help you? Does it hurt you? Does it? What is it to you? Yeah, I mean, it hasn't really changed a lot for us because. You know, the satellites are great and, and the new, you know, the new constellations that have gone up again are, are excellent, but it, they still have challenges. It still doesn't solve everything. Right. So you're, you still have issues with deep indoor, um, you know, underground, all of those locations, tunnels, whatever it is. Um, that's hard to solve with, with just the satellite. Right. So you, you you're going to need some augmentation with that. And I know that that you know, as far as positioning with uh, with cell or any other thing, right? So from satellite is is not easy. <laughs> so um, you know, and the so you've got that. You also have um, so we do a lot of work with IoT devices, so um, asset tracking, whether it's pallet tracking. So we work with uh, Chep, one of the pallet manufacturers. Matt, they build pallets all over the place. Um, they don't like losing them because they cost money. Um, so they're trying to figure out how to do that at cost-effective rates, right? Um, if you're if you're trying to power a GPS chip um, to do this, it will, you know, it takes more battery, more power to spin up that GPS and run the GPS. So, you know, we can start to lower the cost of that without having a GPS chip on there, or only using a GPS chip when you really need to, right? So, so there's some power management and everybody we deal with is yells about power, right? <laughs> That's one of the big things is you can't, you can't use power, right? You have to do this without using power. No, zero power footprint, um, <laughs> which is hard. So you just have these sensors and you send out some sort of electrical field and the sensors reply, like RFID expanded type? Well, so with uh, with Wi-Fi, they're constantly yelling at you. So that's how when you pull up your laptop, your phone, and you look and there's a list of routers on your thing, which one to connect to, they're just announcing. So every 100 milliseconds, they're saying, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here, <laughs> still here. Um, and uh, so all you have to do is really listen to that, right? And um, depending on on what you do, then you can solve that equation on device. Um, you can just send that information to something else, right, to solve it. Um, and you don't need it back because most of those, they don't care where they are, but somebody else wants to know where they are. Uh, so there's there's that. And with like low power, wide area networks, you know, whether it's in IoT or uh, Sigfox or whatever, those are able then to use very low power transmission to get these little packages back to home. So, um, you know, solving problems like that where, where you just don't have the power. Um, and you also are looking at a, at a price point to get down to a cost-effective solution. Is it no power or low power? No, it's low power. So is it like <laughs> can... piezoelectric type devices or how are they no, getting they're... the power? Yeah, they're just, you know, they're just down to um, 
down to you know less than a little chipset, right? I mean, it's it's just the chips you need. Um, very little memory. You've got um, you know, and a very smart. Uh, low power CPU that knows when to turn on and when to p- turn power things off on and off. So it's a combination of that software layer as well as the just the raw hardware that you put in there. Hey, you guys are building these. Uh, we don't these, build them. No, we license our technology for for people who are building devices. Yeah. Oh, that's pretty neat. Yeah. And what what benefits do they? So you're like an SDK, like they can yes, use your exactly. utilities to to build these systems really easily and fast yep yeah oh and and then we manage the database of where those beacons are so uh so in order to solve that for wi-fi you need to know where they are um and so we've got a a database of i think it just passed um six billion now access points around the globe that we know where they are approximately right um and we also allow people who are in a situation which won't have managed infrastructure to put their exact locations in, and that can be used for a private-only um, kind of model too. Uh, so there, there's a way to say I know where exactly where they are, so I can tune my beacons to my system. Right? Do you have do you have services too at Skyhook? Like, do people come to you and want you to build stuff, or do you refer them to a partner? How well, does that work? Well, we do services in the way in the fact that a lot of people want a different feature or a different capability, or it's a new OS, or it's a you know it's some strange requirement that they have because of you know what whatever else they're doing. So a lot of our engagements with customers uh, are customized, right? So um, so we spend a lot of time just tweaking it for you know whether it's a device integration or a chipset integration. Um, so we will run wherever in the stack. Um, so we do really low level integration with chipsets, um, like Qualcomm, for example. Um, and we do integrations at the OS. Um, so then we do integrations at the app layer, uh, anywhere in that stack. Um, we can also integrate just straight API, right? Where you worry about all of the power management, all of the, you know, grabbing the, the access points. Um, and packaging them and sending them to us, and we'll just give you the answer. That's pretty cool. Do you have some like interesting customers that you could talk about, like different ways that they're using it that you can discuss? Yeah, I, I can certainly. I mean, I have a number of customers. So let's talk about um, personal safety devices, right? And what they call the MPERS, the mobile personal what is it? Uh, emergency response device, right? So that I've fallen and I can't get up. Um, <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> like Philips Lifeline is one of those we work with, right? So um, again, it's it's a an issue where the people are generally inside, right? Um, and if they are inside and they fall down, you want to know where they are um, at that time, right? Um, so, and if you can't get that fixed, you don't, really know the, as an emergency you want to know as much information as possible um and so the same thing going outside if you just go outside you know it'll take a while to get a the gps fix for example um so you can carry that with you so you know that gives them that extra layer of of fidelity for that positioning um and that gets pretty critical uh, in fact, a lot of we have a lot of different devices in the MPERS or the personal wearables um, space because of those things. 
And because generally when you, if you're a person, you're going to be indoors a lot of times. So you want, you want to be able to get that location as well. Yeah, that's super important, right? They fall in the bathtub yeah. that might require a different response than falling in the bedroom or something. Right. Exactly. <laughs> and if you've got a big house, I guess, um, you know, the other... That is true. Uh, yeah, right. Or uh, the apartments. So one of the challenges um, is there's a constant uh, press to get vertical positioning better. Uh, so GPS is, is really good on, on the plane, XY, um, but the vertical side, is it, it doesn't work as well, primarily because of the arrangement of the satellites being all in one plane from you, right? So it's harder to get that diversity to understand exactly where it is in that space. So that's an issue. And even like the FCC is pushing harder for safety requirements on E911, for example, to to get that in. So we have a number of people working with us to um, to make that better, right? To be able to get a a floor level accuracy and that's that's a big one so um and we've 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 got a a solution in place um we're just starting to roll that out uh but that's um it's a really neat sort of advancement right that sort more 3d positioning because mostly what we've seen in phones is your just your 2d plane positioning but like in the iphone i have today i've got like the new Mm -hmm. one the 13 or whatever um can that tell my elevation? It can tell usually. So barometric pressure is one of the prime sensors for that. And they are very accurate in a relative sense. So if you know what the what it's set at a ground truth, um, then you, the offsets are very accurate, right? So the problem really in that is you need to know a what your device reads at that ground truth and what the actual you know what the ground truth is yeah because i'm in the mountains in north carolina and my ground truth is different from the building i see across the street right yeah Yeah. (laughs) so so that that's the problem right so so you have to know kind of the ground pressure um uh, at at that time in, in that space and then you need to know because our devices are all different and the calibration of those chips are different so you may start it up even in the same device, the same chip, the same everything model. It could have, you know, a five, 10, something Pascal uh, difference between those two. And so you have to also know then the calibration of that device. <laughs> and then relative to that, and then you can compute your relative distance. So what's E91? So I actually got to go do a tour of like the local operations centers in my town it was a cool building with no walls or, or, or no windows i apologize no windows yeah i had no walls no a no wall building it's called a field yeah so it didn't have any windows and it was like also it was the emergency place emergency operations center but also the 911 facility was located within it and i got to like listen to them take some 911 calls and uh they were talking about this E911 and being able to, I was asking them like, how accurately can you position? They said it varies by call and they have different tools, but it's never always perfect. Cause I, uh, you know, I've called 911 before and they're always asking like, what's your exact location? And I'm like, why it's 2021. You have my phone. Yeah, like I just, you're the government. Right like you also probably <laughs> have my emails. Like, do you tell me where I am? Um, so talk to another agency and get my location. That's what it is. It's the intra agencies are not playing with each other. Right. So, so, so what, what are they doing today with E911? Like, how are they 
can can they have any guess on level like today in the most advanced building in the world? If someone's calling nine one one, do they have any idea of of vertical? In general, in a in a mobile device, in general, no, most of them don't. I mean, so if you've got a GPS signal, you'll have a four or five level knowledge of it, and then you've got to wonder if you if as long as you've got the right building right so <laughs> if you you have multiple buildings nearby and you know you're inside you may be you know it depends right so that's the challenge that's one of the challenges you've got to get both x y right and the z um especially in in you know urban zones but um but yeah that there's knowledge there but we haven't quite put all the pieces together to make that um universally uh possible but it's getting there um definitely people are making progress on that um you know from the from apple and and the android space um to folks like us and others there's 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 a, a small community <laughs> of people that are building these positioning systems right to do to solve different kinds of challenges um and all all of us are you know hunting for the best way to solve this, how to deploy it, how to get it out there and how to get it into the phones. Um, so, so that's, that's that story. And that's, that's fun though, but you know, again, working on all these technologies. Um, so we, we were able to, to do some tests with the department of transportation um, because they're not only thinking about the E911, but they're thinking about um, GPS resiliency. Um, and what they call positioning, navigation, and, and timing. That their their big group is the PNT group, um, and they are worried. You know what happens if some you know satellites fall out of the sky um, or get shot down, whatever you know, or the, there's somebody who blasts um, uh, you know and jams GPS. What happens? Um, and what are the technologies that we can have as a as a secondary you know, fallback um, to work with or or fill in if something like that were to happen. So that was that was pretty fun. You know, just thinking about well, what would happen um, and how could we be a component in that infrastructure that would continue to provide some positioning. We're not going to do the timing side of things, but the positioning navigation side would work. You ever see people using it for like cattle or something, <laughs> like tracking cattle? Well, cattle are mostly outdoors, so the GPS is a really good solution for the for cows. Although, again, GPS is 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 power hungry, but you probably don't need to be constantly monitoring them. <laughs> you probably just need a periodic. Hey, are they in my um, in my field or are they? I need real time <laughs> cow positioning. <laughs> cow positioning. <That's> yeah. <laughs> Inside <laughs> all my cows, they're treated very well. Yeah. <laughs> so yes, with a spa. Um, the cow spa, but, uh, yeah, so that, that's why, you know, there's, there's cases where that's really all you need, right. Is, is GPS at that point or GNSS as the, the more generic, um, name goes. Yeah. I talked to one woman, she was awesome. And, um, they were using cameras and object detection to count cattle and different things <laughs> like that. I, I was like, that was pretty interesting, right? That is, yeah. Yeah. Cause I used to have to go out and one, two, three, four. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's much faster. <laughs> yeah. That would be better, especially cause I'm not really good at counting. So 
I want to talk a little bit about some management stuff, like culture, leadership. Sure. Uh, I have a question written down because I was inspired by this guy I talked to. He was, um, I think he's the founder or CTO of Smart Deploy. His name is Aaron Suki. And we were talking about like the job of, or like what, I'll give a background what they do, right? Um, <laughs> they do like deploying uh, computers. They do it like in a smart, modern way. Like, so they like massive deploy, you know, operating systems and things of that nature. Um, but I was talking to them about like the gaps in IT teams and in the in the employees and things of that nature. How do you make sure that like your um, your teams and your customers and everybody's like communicating well? Like, how do you facilitate open communication? Yeah, no, that's a, that's critical, and especially in you know the the switchover from in person to remote has been um, you know a challenge. Uh, we discovered we're pretty good at it i guess um because we, we've we've done really well but it does you know the technology does kind of isolate you and uh so we've we've done a lot um especially during the pandemic is um you know do do virtual gatherings virtual happy hours uh play games online you know different trivia what have you and and so that's part of the the camaraderie and just keeping that sort of flowing right because that's that's the thing especially as you get new people come in who have never met anybody because we hired you virtually and you started virtually so that's that's a real hard part getting getting them integrated but i think as far as communication uh you know we use uh, we use slack so we're on all sorts of slack channels so um you got the just the general one the the pet one you know you've got you know, what a couple of those kinds of group um, channels that you can just pop on and, and chat about, hey, my cat's really driving me nuts, whatever it is, uh, you know. So, and then you've got your, your team specific or project specific stuff. So, you, you can integrate and just chat through that. I think that's been a really good tool uh, for us. You know, I think uh, as a, we're primarily, you know, an engineering technology kind of uh, company. So, in technology, not really you know, the full solution set, and we're not out there selling something to a consumer directly. So we're sort of focused on that. And so we've got a lot of engineers. <laughs> and and oftentimes, you know, they don't really want to get in that group, but you, you, you kind of work them in, right? And and um, just get get folks involved, and they find out, hey, this is kind of, this is all right, right? <laughs> this is kinda, I kind of like parts of this and um, and get them involved. Um, but I think we're 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 very wide open as far as you know ideas, um, as far as hey push back on on things, um, and you know in, in talking about opening up the the office, how we're going to do that, we've gone way you know just back and forth to understand people's proclivities, what they're thinking, what would work, what wouldn't work, um, you know to to try to figure out a path. So. Yeah, I think it's it's just that it's just having multiple channels, multiple contacts, um, and a true open sort of conversation, as opposed to here's what it is and wait till somebody pushes back. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's I think that's because they won't the push good. back until they're pushed over the edge. You know? right. and then you know you've gone too far. Yeah, and that's so. not good. Like I w I spent some time in Nebraska this uh, summer and uh, like the Omaha area, and. Uh, we had a couple team members there and I learned like I 
I was there for a couple of days and I started realizing that everybody was super nice. So I called, I called up one of my team members and was like, what's the deal? Like, <laughs> what do you, what's going on here? And she's like, oh, you haven't heard. It's like Nebraska nice. And I was like, no, I haven't heard of that, but it is very accurate. Is your like headquarters in Nebraska? No, we're in Boston and okay. uh, we've got a headquarters in Boston and a headquarters in Philly. So um, resulted through, through a merger of uh, two separate companies. So we, we kept them both. Um, so we've got engineering in both. We've got, you know, management both. We've got, uh, you know, a mix and match, um, which is another, you know, interesting uh, piece of the puzzle, right? Um, is keeping all that moving together. Yeah, um, Nebraska nice with Boston. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. It's, it's like, how does that work? But yeah. Oh, and I love people from Boston because it'd be like, absolutely, with maybe some expletives in there. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, but I find that people are great everywhere. And I love that when I was asking you about communication, you started with getting people together. Like mm-hmm. I have found over and over again that 80% of the problems are solved by just getting people together in something other than their current work and responsibilities. Yes, you should get together in your current work and responsibilities and geek out there. But when you're doing something that's not exactly your work and you're learning about people in a social way, like it just it is it smooths out so many things and it just makes everything operate Absolutely. better. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that in the getting a personal relationship and personal understanding, you know, just it it's yeah, it, it is a necessary part of that. Otherwise uh, and if you're doing all uh, so much online stuff, you you can't read, you know, you can't read their emotion. You can't read, you know, oh, some know. people are, and some people are just like very direct, and they don't really mean anything bad. They're just like, this is what it is. And you know, if you know them, you're like, oh, that's, that's they're not they're not yelling at me. They're just, <laughs> that's just what they that's what they what they say. They say what they mean. So. There's so much data in our inflections and our relationships that is completely stripped when you go into Slack. I found that when we were hiring people during the pandemic and I didn't meet them in person, um, and then we flew everyone together quarterly to like have a dinner, I found multiple times that I took things the complete wrong way. And I right. said, now that I have a personality to match to the text, all the crazy <laughs> messages <laughs> I've gotten sense. from this person now <laughs> makes sense. Cause if I just say them in their voice in my head, it's like, Oh, that's just them being them. That's just who <laughs> right. they are. Yeah. Very important. Yes. So getting, have you guys gotten together at all since pandemic or has it been like everybody remote? You know, no. Um, actually, I flew up to Boston several weeks ago just to have a happy hour. Um, and a group of us got together and got to hang out and, you know, outdoor at a, at a you know, outdoor um, beer garden and, and hang out and just talk. Like, you know, <laughs> like what the heck's been going on? <laughs> yeah. Know, there's been, there's been births, there's been fi- hirings, there's been people leaving. There's, you know, there's, it's like, what else is going on? Um, marriages, all sorts of stuff has happened. Babies. There's lots of people. My wife tells me it feels like every single day there's there's new baby announcements. I was like, I guess it was summer. <laughs> there was, there's a, there a lot going on. Yeah. What what are um? I was told to ask about Kip's quips. It's hard to say, but what is that? Oh, that's just um. Actually, I started that um back in my old Apple days. That was my little um newsletter for the Northwest Kansas Prairie Apple Computer Group. 
um, uh, which also is kind of a prairie apple, if you know what that means. Um, no, what is that? It's, it's, it's a euphemism for um, cow poo. Oh, okay. Um, so that <laughs> they just leave them all over like apples, and and so that was the name of our uh, our computer group. And uh, so Kip's quips were were my um, my newsletter every month for that that group. Oh, very cool. And now it's my Twitter handle. So oh, now it's your Twitter handle. Yeah. <laughs> Are you still writing these days? Uh, some. <laughs> Any book coming out soon? No, nah, you know I've been thinking about it, but um, so many choices. Yeah, I think you should. I'm a huge fan. Writing a book <laughs> is incredibly difficult, but you learn a ton. Yeah, yeah. I know. I've I've been Jones into do it. I just haven't actually dove in. Yes, I find a lot of people will go the book route as they um, start to wind down their career, and mm. I think that's a perfect time because that's when you have the most experience, right? Right. And uh, yeah, and you need to get it out before it goes away. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to make sure we've got you know about 12 minutes or so left. We're not super hard on time. I don't know. Did we have a hard stop for you? No. no okay, hard stop. cool. Because um, I always try to be like super respectful of that. But I just want to make sure that we cover all the points that we want to get out there about you know what Skyhook does. Is there anything sure. that we've missed that we really need to make sure we hit on? Um, I guess one of the things I would talk about is the, the fact that we are truly a global business. So we operate everywhere. Um, every day we're getting billion, 2 billion requests, something like that, hitting our API servers around the globe from over 200 countries. So it, it's a big operation from that standpoint. And so there's, you know, millions of devices running around out there that are trying to figure out where they are. Uh, and, and so when we, when we talk to people, you know, we're like, well, yeah, where where are you? Well, we're here, but we operate globally. Uh, and in fact, a lot of our customers are international again because we deal with um, a lot of device manufacturers, um, a lot of phone makers, a lot of um, just any kind of tracker. You know, there's gazillions of those coming out of uh, out of the Asian area, right? Europe's building a bunch, so we have to have a, a global perspective on everything we do. Uh, which is great. Again, I mean, I love the, the fact that we've got this big audience out there that we can we can address, um, and uh, that's a that's a big part of part of our business. So um, that's it's challenging. <laughs> Another one with communication. Again, you've got a you've got a, um, a a challenge with time zones, with languages, with uh, cultural um, uh, all all up and down the board made it harder in um, the, the COVID days where you can't really travel. Um, so it's, it's, it's hard to get into international companies if you can't be there. Yeah. China has a lot of people and they've got cities that are pretty dense. Have yes. you guys done some stuff over there? Yeah, we have. Um, and we've done a lot in Japan in particular. Um, which is nice because they've got, you know, everybody has devices. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, the, dense, the density of devices uh, matches the density of the buildings and people. So, um, so that's, that's great. And that's where we get some challenges like, hey, you know, we, we have a lot of underground uh, trains and stuff. So we need people to know where they are. Um, so, you know, we've worked a lot to make our system um, understand and not get um, sort of 
recognize that you're down there and not use sort of the the top of the earth um, signals at all, even if you happen to catch a few, you really want to focus on the, the signal layer that you're in um, and and make that more accurate so that the commuters and everybody on those trains has has an idea where they are because um, it's really occluded um, for GPS. <laughs> yeah, I remember when I was um, in San Francisco for a conference, right? And everyone was at the Moscow, and, however you say, Moscow Center. I, and, I agree. Yeah, my phone <laughs> was like not working a lot because it yeah. was, and I was talking to the um, Uber driver about it because it wasn't, it was like intermittently working. He's like, oh, it's, this is what happens when there's conferences in town. Hmm. And I said, oh, okay, that's pretty interesting. Uh, also, the hotel rooms go from like $200 a night to like $1,200 a night. <laughs> I, was like, that, I was like, that's a mortgage payment, man. Right. How long do I get to stay? Yeah. Oh, one night? Eight hours. You get to stay eight hours. <laughs> there's no early or late check-in. Right. Yeah. yeah. So tell me a little bit about, you know, we have a, a wide range of people that listen to the show, mm-hmm. everything from like enterprise CTOs to startup people, people in between that just want to grow their career. Um, what's What problems are the per, is the person facing now that would most likely become a customer of yours? Um, so it's basically thinking about the, the, the problem of location. So obviously location. So anybody, you know, in it, whether it's a tracking device or a impers or, you know, um, a, any of those uh, types of devices out there that you'll, you'll see, you know, rat trackers. Um, it's, it's, it's that layer right there. Um, now we can, like I said, if, if you're on a, an operating system that like an Android open source, for example, doesn't come with any support other than for GPS, right? So if you're deploying one of those operating systems, um, you need more, right? So that we're seeing that happen in what they call the, the, um, um, the, the lower, the lower end phones, right? The smartphones, the feature phones, if you will. Um, but they're, people are used to, how the smartphones work, right? And the, the quality of the experience. Um, but if you were to only have the GPS and try to mimic that same experience, you're going to fall short, right? So anybody who has customers that are going inside and need, need that you know, combo view, um, you really need to look at, at um, additional technologies. Is it just skyhook.com? Is that how people go yeah. find out more? Yep, nice. indeed. So nice. easy and simple. That's exciting. What's one piece of advice that you would give an engineer that's aspiring to take on more management responsibilities? Um, I would say uh, one piece of advice. Well, first of all, um, make sure you want to. Uh, you know, <laughs> so I think you know, there's this this sort of almost a like a path where you get stuck in, mo- in moving in that that particular ladder as opposed to going this way because. Hey, maybe there's more money or whatever it is, but um, make sure you're going to be happy um, doing that. Make sure you're happy with human, you know, interaction, human touch, human um, foibles. Um, you know, you can hide a lot of that when you're just doing an engineering task and everybody's on their own little thing, and you, you know, and you just have the integration. Uh, if you are managing people, you're going to deal with a lot more, right? Um, so um, I would just say be prepared for you know, for another relationship, 
it's 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 um right and multiple relationships now you're going to be piling on um and it's a different relationship than what you have as a peer yes i found that um it was super difficult to make the transition mm-hmm. but the reason why i believe i kept going was because of it being so difficult it was it, so many skills it was like 90% of the job was not technology right. right and i didn't have those skills and so i had to go around and acquire them and you know that's experience experience is painful so but but i found it was also rewarding because it did learning those skills did help me in other parts of my life it helped me in my my personal relationships um like with my girlfriends at the time now my wife it, it's it's helped me in so many different things um uh, communicating, understanding that I used to tell people like, I hate repeating myself. I'm not even going to repeat myself. And then I realized that leadership is like mostly repeating yourself. (laughs) And I get it too. Yeah. 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 But it is, um, but it's also, you have to kind of learn some empathy, right. And, and, and sort of have to, you almost have to go into their shoes, you know, for furthering what we were talking about before with the, the get groups and understanding people. Right. So it's one thing to, to just be a, a peer or just communicating. But when you're, you know, in a, in that management position where you've got, you know, you now have some responsibilities you have to deliver upon that rely on them. And you need to make sure that that's coordinated without, you know, minimizing their human right aspects and what they are going through as well. So those are all components that you have to kind of say, oh, so here, you know, you have to assimilate that as part of the whole job all right and it's rewarding as you said i mean it really is um you learn a lot and um you make some great friends that way too i want to go really deep here because i feel like we've got a a good relationship going all right what is one mistake that you made like several times over and then finally you said i have enough and like you just stopped making that mistake um i would say getting angry Not that I don't get angry, um, but I don't take it out on somebody else, right? Um, and I think that's uh, probably the biggest thing that I did that would be, I'd go back and go, yeah, you should just relax a little. Um, that it's it's just better to work through these things. Um, and, you know, instead of escalating up and just like, <sighs> um, just kick back a bit and, and absorb. Um, part of that is just listening. Uh, as well as learning how to how to just sit there and listen and take things in without just immediately reacting. Oh yeah, I found out real quick that there's no shortage of people who are willing to play the escalation game, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? And and it it never works out. It's like if you want to escalate and then they want to escalate, then it just gets bad fast. Goes <laughs> ugly. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, ang- anger is not a good, not a good one. It's Nebraska nice. It makes me think that like your anger was like really, really small. Just <laughs> <laughs> lasted that long, but yeah. it was. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. And if you found this episode useful, please share it with a friend or a colleague who you think would get value from it. And if you have topics that you'd like to hear discussed on the podcast, either add me on LinkedIn or send me an email, joel at moderncto.io. Every time I get an email or LinkedIn message, it absolutely makes my day and inspires me to keep going.